Hello and welcome to Sports by Northwest from the Oregonian and Oregon Live. I am your host, Bill Orem, and this week I have a special guest. It is Aaron Fentress of the Oregonian, Portland Trailblazers beat writer, a uh, man of many talents. Aaron, welcome to Sports by Northwest Buzzsaw Edition. I know. There's uh, Sorry, there's some trees being uh, taken apart across the street from us, much to our chagrin, because they're beautiful trees. I'm not sure what kind of trees they are, but now they're being turned into firewood, I think. Uh, so a little bit, it's a little sad, but more importantly, I just want to say it's about time you had me on. I thought you were ducking me. I was like, what's up? Bill's afraid? <laughs> afraid I'm going to take him to school on his own podcast? Too I get smoke. it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. listen, there's a lot of smoke right now, and I think it's all going to come in my direction from Aaron Fentress. Exactly. I blow a lot of smoke. Anyway, how you doing? Thanks for having me. I mean, it's my pleasure, and it's a, it's a great week to have you. Um, any week is a good week to have you, but this one is especially good because you and I actually were just in Sacramento. We saw the Trailblazers we in their season opener last night. That was a win. Um, speaking of buzz saws, right? The Blazers <laughs> cutting right through the Kings, particularly in the fourth quarter. And then Aaron, also before you covered the Blazers for us, I mean, you spent how many years covering the Oregon Ducks? Uh, Full time, twelve. Yeah, both okay. for the Oregonian and NBC Sports. Northwest, and then part-time with The Athletic. And then I've done some duck stuff since I've been back with The Oregonian, including doing Talking Ducks, which airs Thursday nights on Root Sports with Jordan Kent, Joey Harrington, and Anthony Newman. I expect a similar <laughs> shout-out on Talking Ducks about the Sports by Northwest podcast. <laughs> okay. But, um, I'll make sure. <laughs> so that means that you are as familiar as anyone with the Chip Kelly era in Eugene, we are covered me some chip. Yep. We are revisiting that this week. We are going to relive it. We're going to have Chip back in <laughs> Eugene on Saturday when he brings his undefeated UCLA Bruins to Eugene. So we're going to get to that. But I want to start with the Blazers because we were both just there. We saw it live. Um, you know, I asked Chauncey Billups before the game how much he could actually conclude from a season opening win, and you know, to no one's surprise, you know, he was very cautious with that you know you you can learn you can learn some things but you're not going to make any conclusions you're not going to learn what your team is but if you were going to draw some big picture conclusions about the blazers which is fun what would be one or two or three however many you want that you took from uh that win last night in sack well first before i do that we we have to remember it is the kings when was last when was last time the kings were in the playoffs it's been a while right 2006 yeah, they've got some dudes, Fox and, and Sabonis, you know. So there's some guys over there in Harrison Barnes who seems like he's like 40, but he's only like 32 or something like that, right? Anyway, so they're they're a quality team, and they ripped the Blazers apart uh, a couple weeks ago in the preseason, whatever, 126 to 90 or something like that. Just looked like they were shooting layups all day, either layups or wide open threes or wide open whatever they wanted, and it really made you wonder about this defense. So for me, the number one thing, the defense showed a pulse. And I cannot tell you, I took over this beat in the bubble, 2020. And then the next season, they went out and got Covington and Derrick Jones. And that was, so that was my, like my new, my first true season covering them. And all the talk was on the defense. That was in December of 2020. It is now October of 2022. And I feel like the number one thing that I've always hearing people complain about, and I'm always having to report on, is that damn defense. I want it to at least be solid because I'm tired of writing about the defensive rating being ranked 29th or whatever. So even for me personally, I know what it means a lot for the fans is just see that they actually played some defense. Like they gave effort. You saw the pieces moving well together with Hart, Winslow, and Jeremy Grant. 
You saw they went small late, which definitely caused some problems for uh, Sacramento. So that was number one for me by far is that the defense showed life. Damien said himself, though, hey, it's just one game. And, you know, it doesn't mean we're, we've arrived. And he's right. But at least there was a pulse. Number two, Shaden Sharp coming off the bench early like My he guy. did. I, yeah, he's your guy. now. Ant's my guy. He's your guy. Although I love I love me some shit. I love that pick too. But he came in earlier than I expected. Keon Johnson didn't play at didn't all. Play. And he had been he had been the sixth or seventh man the entire preseason. Sharp gets in there early, uh, three minutes to go or whatever in the first quarter, puts up nine points in eight minutes. Or was it eight points in nine minutes? One of the two. And then he comes back in the in the late third quarter and plays well again, hits a hits a killer step back three early in the fourth to give him a three-point lead. My goodness, that guy athletically, we all already know he's a He's a phenom, but he's not going to shoot that well every night, but it looks so effortless for him. You just see how he's just oozing talent. So that was great to see, not just for now, because it gives you some offensive firepower off the bench and athleticism, assuming he can continue to at least be good. He's not going to be that great every night, clearly, but at least you have something maybe that could be very special coming off the bench for you. And then last but not least, uh, I, I I just liked... I just like seeing this team in a regular season game sort of demonstrate what they've been talking about a lot, and that's the ho- yeah. cohesion this team has. Like, I really feel like because Chauncey has talked about he wants this team to be connected on the court and off the court, and I I kind of get a and I haven't covered the NBA as long as you have a fraction of what you have, but I kind of feel like this is a, a good vibrations team. And again, mm-hmm. they're one and zero. If they're two and seven, that could change, but. Uh, I, I like seeing that sort of togetherness. And it, it, it's called coming together the way Billups and, and Lillard hope it would. Yeah, I think I think those are all great points. And, you know, I like that. I feel like I think that last point was really key because, you know, last year, Chauncey inherited a roster that had been built for, you know, a different coach, a different system, still had Covington, still had Norman Powell. And Chauncey was kind of trying to make it work. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think that you give him a full year, you know, obviously he and Joe Cronin are lockstep. You know, a lot of this, you know, was collaborative, um, which is something you want as an organization. And this is kind of Chauncey's chance to show that the kinds of players that he wanted the team to go out and get can sort of execute his vision. And like, it was not perfect. I mean, there were flaws last night. Nurkic was, you know, MIA by and large. And, you know, I still think they have depth issues. I think they have size issues, but, um, I thought the fact that like kind of seeing what has been preached come into visualization on the floor uh, was just a, a good way to start the season. There's going to be losses. There might be a lot of losses. I mean, their next three games are against mm-hmm. Phoenix, the Lakers and and Miami. And I mean, yes. there's I mean, and two, and two of those teams are even playoff teams. <clears throat> the Lakers. And then Charlotte Pel- at right. Charlotte Pelicans in Dallas. Yep. <laughs> like they, yeah. I mean, it gets be two and six. It gets it gets tough. Right? And, you know, I've kind yeah. of I've kind of bought into the idea that, you know, Obviously, you you want you want wins and you want to see this team progressing on the floor. But, you know, there is a longer term vision here and it's not, you know, a five year plan, but it's kind of like an 18 month plan. And and what can the Blazers develop? And then how do those how do those developments um, affect the, the the strategy? Do you do you? see the, the flashes from Shaden and Ant that make them like really attractive trade targets so you can go trade for an all-NBA caliber player to put next to Dame? Or do they develop into the players next to Dame who um, can help you get to the, ne- the next level? So, I mean, that's what I'm kind of looking for this season. And I thought, you know, game one was really encouraging. I thought it felt like, you know, there was sort of a, you, you don't know the ceiling of this team. Um, you know, again, I don't expect them to contend for a title this year. But, you know, within three years, I think there's at least like maybe if you squint a little bit, there is a path 
Um, and so I thought that was encouraging. And I thought seeing Shaden, you know, not just that he made the threes, there was just a confidence about the way he played. You know, he looked really comfortable on the floor. You know, he's talked about having nerves in the preseason. He talked about having nerves last night. You didn't really see it. Um, you know, it takes just some it takes some uh some guts to come out and, and and knock down those shots in your first game. And yeah, I mean the first couple, you know, shots were um, you know, were kind of uh spot up threes that, you know, you need him to step up and, and shoot those. But the third one, like you mentioned, was a dagger putback. And I was you and I were sitting next to each other in Sacramento, and as he took that step back and he, you know, hucked it up there. I even said to you, if this one goes in, I mean, my God, and, and it did. And I was just like, all right, I'm a believer. So I thought that was really encouraging. I mean, there's going to be ups and downs, but the fact that he, you know, gave you hope that he might be a contributor this year um, is a really cool development for this Blazers team. Um, what, um, here's a, here's a question for you about this. Do you find it more encouraging that Jeremy Grant scored 23 points and had eight rebounds and two steals? Or, discour- or discouraging, more concerning that Damian Lillard was just five of eighteen and uh, one of eight from three. Oh, encouraging with Grant because to me he's you know I think to a lot of people he's he's one of those guys who's a, a notch below All Star and I I believe he's gonna be he's gonna have an All Star season for the Blazers if if he resigns for four years I get oh, wow. five seasons in those five seasons I think he makes an All Star team. Uh, we'll see what that looks like, but he. I, he, he's so good at everything. And when he was in Denver, his shooting percentages were so much better than mm-hmm. they were in D, in Detroit because he was playing off of Jokic and Murray as, as opposed to being the guy. He's not a guy who wants to be necessarily the guy and carrying your team. He's right. not that guy. He's not Durant, obviously. But playing off of Dame, playing off of Ant, off of Ant playing with a passing big man like Nurkic, he's going to get so many good looks. And I, I did a story earlier uh, during preseason when I talked to him about that. And uh, he, he, yeah, he expects to get way better looks than he got in Detroit. And if he gets that, he's going to average around 20. If he, you know, plays the defense he plays, if this is a playoff caliber team, he's going to have a look at being an all-star in the next few years, I believe. So for me, hugely encouraging just how he fits. He's just, it's the little, it's literally the perfect fit. And I think when the rumors were going around that he was connected to them, I did a, I did a story last spring about, I was like 1500 words on how he would fit perfectly. And I was just, just finding myself falling in love with the idea of coming to Portland because because I just felt like, man, this guy would really fit perfectly. As for Dame, you know what? There were some people on Twitter freaking out. Dame doesn't look the same. Oh, my God. Maybe he's lost it. I'm like, come on, dude. The, the last thing you lose is your shooting ability. You, yeah. like, you, you know, I mean, we've seen video of Steve Kerr, you know, draining however many threes he wants to drain. Mm-hmm. He's, what, 50, 60 years old? That's the last thing that goes athletically. I think he looks fine. Uh, maybe he's not quite the same guy he was at 28, 29, but who is, right? right? The shooting will be there. Had he shot just an average Dame night, he scores 30. Instead, he scored yeah. 20, 21, whatever it was, because he got to the free throw line. That was another thing. So I, I'm not worried about Dame at all, but Grant, a- absolutely encouraged by him and how he fits with his team. is perfect. I think here's the most important thing, and we're going to need a bigger sample size to see if this is like real and if this is the hallmark sure. of this team. But how many times over the years have we heard Dame kind of um, – you know, hint at or outright say that, you know, the wear and tear of him having to come up and be the hero every night, you know, Dame time, you know, on a Tuesday in January. It's like, that is, that is a, that is a grind on top of what is already a grind in an NBA season. And last night, especially when you're six two, Right. And so it's like, and everything is on your shoulders and like, he's had help, but like, it's still even, even with CJ, you know, even, you know, it just always kind of came back to Dame. And last night, Close game, tie game in the last minute. You saw the Blazers get stops defensively, get takeaways. 
Jeremy Grant, Josh Hart score in transition. It wasn't Damian Lillard who needed to make the clutch plays. He did not need to go score 50 points for them to win a regular season game against a mediocre opponent. And I think that, you know, again, maybe that this is an anomaly, but having Jeremy Grant score 23 points, having Anthony Simons took him 22 shots, but for him to score 22 points. And actually, I thought his best stretch was right at the end of the third quarter, start of the fourth, when Dame went to the bench, Blazers were down. They actually flipped the score in that stretch with Simons kind of leading the offense, and he scored like seven straight points. So I was really encouraged by that stretch for him. And then Josh Hart. So it's like, I felt like last night, Dame got the kind of help that he's been um, kind of searching for and asking for. And if that is what they've provided with this roster, um, then that is a really meaningful step forward uh, for the Blazers and for Damian Lillard. 100%. That's one of the things that Chauncey talked about his first summer was that he even he wanted to take some of the pressure off both Dame and CJ because he felt like those two did too many isolation one-on-one you know, plays, especially with Dame taking a lot of the you know, deep threes that people fall in love with. But he didn't want to see that unless the shot clock was running down. He wanted to move the ball. He wanted Dame off the ball more, take some pressure off of him. That way you can conserve energy for a fourth quarter burst if you needed it. And we saw in the first quarter, they, Dame barely scored in the first quarter if he did it all. And they were up 32-23. They had three or, three or, three or four assists, I think, in that quarter. Um, so that's how they want to play. Now, now, again, though, if Dame shoots, I mean, he took 18 shots. So it's not like he's not shooting. But you don't feel like he's going to go out there and try and shoot the ball 25 right. or 30 times unless he absolutely has to. Now, that's going to happen at some point, probably. Totally. He's be feeling it some night. But Ant can be such a high-end scorer. And then adding someone with the versatility of Grant, who can score in so many different ways. Covington gave you the three. He gave you nothing else. Grant gives you everything. Big putback. And then Hart, it's just you. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you covered Hart in L.A. Like, you know how he's just he's a guy who's not necessarily great at anything, but he's good at everything. (laughs) And he's just so savvy. He's one of those guys who like, you know, when announcers say, um, you know, you know, Damian Lillard might be the league MVP, but Josh Hart is the MVP of this team. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, like, you know, maybe the most important, like, you know, piece to like keeping it all together. I was going to say, like, I'm just fascinated to see what Josh Hart's future is because, you know, he's a guy the Blazers love. He perfectly embodies, like, the identity they're trying to create. He also has an expiring contract. And I, I just am really curious to see if, if they, if you know, they'll find a way to keep him and invest in him because he makes so much sense for them. But he's also a guy, if the Blazers are still sort of, you know, a year away in their process, you know, he's a guy who will have, you know, interest at the trade deadline. So I'm actually really interested to see how this works out for him because the place, because the Blazers have also, you know, put him in a position to succeed. You know, you make him the starting small forward on this team, you know, the message you're sending to the league, you know, and and what you're kind of doing for Josh's reputation is this is a guy who can be, you know, if he, if he, if he fills the role capably is a starting small forward in the NBA, which has not been his reputation up to this point. So um, it could be, it could be, this could be a big year for Josh. um, But that may not mean a long-term stay in Portland. We just don't know. So I'm I'm interested to see what happens, but I mean like, you know, perfect Josh Hart game last night. He was 19, five and seven and he was eight for 11. He didn't take one, four Mm -hmm. shot, one bad shot. I don't think he took a three. Did he? uh no he did not yeah. and we know he can shoot the yeah. three so like it's just a smart team and if they're moving the ball well they're going to get good looks efficient shots and therefore that takes pressure off of dame until if it's like okay dame we need you to go be logo lillard then fine he can go do that uh but not as many nights as he has in the past and that should conserve him because he is 32 you know he's 32 save him 
us two old guys talking about how old the 32-year-old is. I know. He's an old 32. <laughs> I have a son older than him. Oh, my God. Dame's getting old. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in that because we are okay. we are it's jump- just game. It's we, just one game. We, we can't overkill. Well, I was gonna say we're jumping to some conclusions, <laughs> but I mean that's like I mean we we can only evaluate this team based on the evidence we have. And what's exciting that's is right. we got some fresh evidence last night. We got some fresh you know material, and I you know I just think it was really hard not to come away from that game being like, "All right, I'm intrigued." And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I know coaches. A lot of coaches who are like, "Hey, you know, I want a ten game sample size before I like, you know, change my lineup or before I really figure, you know, or I, I, before I, uh, you know, make any draw any conclusions." You know, I think that's fair. But um, you know, on a game by game basis, I mean, like that that felt like a positive step. And 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 it's always starts. It always feels better to start with a win, and especially against a team that I think you can say is kind of a reasonable measuring stick for the Blazers right now. Um, you know, the Blazers are reset, are resetting, they're retooling. The West is stacked. You know, you kind of look at the West and where do the Blazers fit? You know, right now, you'd probably say kind of in that play-in mix. The Kings are trying to be in the play-in as well, trying to break their postseason um, drought. So, you know, early season win against a team you might be jockeying with for position down the road um, has to feel good. Yep. So um, let's turn the page to the uh, the Ducks of Oregon, the 5-1 and one Excuse me, the six and one Oregon Ducks, right? No, the five and one. They had a buy. Five and one. The five yeah. and one Ducks. Um, probably the biggest game at Otzen in. We're, we're getting up there in two, years. Since 2014, two, I think. 2014. It is the last time they had two top 10 teams. And right. That was Michigan State against Mario and the Ducks. Yeah. So we have, we have uh, Chip Kelly bringing the number nine ranked UCLA Bruins to Otzen Stadium. What is the biggest storyline in this game for you? Because you can sort Aside of go. From chip? Well, I'm just saying, is it Chip? Because you can go down a couple of roads. Like, is it Chip? Is right. it the matchup itself? Is it sort of the continued um, growth of this Ducks team? Like, how do you, as somebody who's known this program so well, like, you know, what is it that like has your full attention come Saturday? Ooh, uh, man, that's tough. Well, one, I thought it was fascinating that. Oregon did talk to Chip mm-hmm. about coming back, and there were a lot of fans who were not down for it. It was weird. It was like this: oh, he that was, you know he was great back in the day. He's not a recruiter, this and that. So if he comes in there and wins, you know, I mean, it's not it's not the end of the world, but I think it would just be fascinating that he went and rebuilt a program from scratch and came back and you know defeated Oregon, which has been dropping top ten classes two of the last three or four years, uh, which is, is a compelling story for me. Also, Chip, when Chip won at Oregon, he inherited a really good team. Like He won mostly with guys recruited under Bilotti, um, which is something that a lot of people don't realize. They think he just started day one, threw a bunch of guys out there that he recruited and started winning, and that's not, that wasn't the case. So he, he won with a team that was built to win and then left. So what he's doing doing at UCLA is extremely impressive, and props to UCLA for giving him time to do it right because he struggled the first few years, but now he's got his team, and so it's fat. It's gonna be fascinating for me to see the this year and next year is he building what's gonna be a power in the conference, or is this just a one year the thing? The Big Ten conference, and is it? Yeah. <laughs> That, that's true. They're leaving. Is he building a power that's going to a team that's going to be a power in a conference, a Big Ten? I guess it would be. Or is it just a blip on the radar and he's just having a, a good year and it's going to dwindle back down a little bit? And as for Oregon, uh, I, I still think that regardless of the recruiting classes they've put together, 
there's still a lot of question marks with this roster for me as far as whether or not it's a national contending level ro- a roster, which some people believe it could be because of the recruiting class rankings. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those dudes are gone, Bill. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of players who have transferred from those classes are gone. There's still a lot of good talent, but I don't see Oregon contending for a national title anytime soon. But to do so, they're obviously going to have to be able to take care of teams like UCLA, which are rising in the conference, even though they're leaving the conference. So we'll see. So I obviously wasn't back in town yet when the Bla- sorry I'm still in the Blazers when the Ducks had their coaching surge last winter. You know Chip Kelly's name gets thrown out there. I was following it from afar from Los Angeles, and you know the thing about like people being kind of cool on the idea of Chip coming back. You know he's obviously over in the you know decade plus since he left the uh, the shine has worn off right like the you know it didn't work with the eagles it didn't work with the niners and then it you know for several years it didn't work with the bruins and it felt like there was this i felt i feel like the discourse around chip kelly was he changed the game you know he brought in you know these you know high powered fast fast paced you know offenses that completely transformed the game and nobody knew what to do with it and then everybody else caught up and so there's he's not special anymore and i feel like that's kind of where the sort of like chip fatigue came in and now you see it with a team where it's like you said he's got his guys you know it's 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 clicking he's got a fifth year quarterback and in in Dorian Thomas Thompson Robinson who you know has been totally sensational I feel like it must be gratifying for chip right after kind of searching ever since he left Oregon for some level of success right that like rivaled what he did at Oregon to be playing meaningful games on a national stage again and to see his, you know, system kind of working. Because for a while it felt like, you know, it was sort of, you know, passe. I know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, no, I, I agree with everything you're saying. And, and it was one of the things that I argued back even when he was here. I was like, this is going to wane at some point. You can't – the history of football is filled. I mean, we'll go to my Bears. I, I bring this every time. The, 80, the 85 Bears, 46 defense. They stacked the box, they brought the house, and they killed your quarterback. And it won them a Super Bowl. And then teams said, well, you know what? We're going to spread you out. And we're going to throw quick passes, and now you can't do it. And it, you know, it's just that's how football is. Things evolve and change. So Chip had to change. That said, he wasn't that bad in Philadelphia. People act like he was a failure in Philadelphia. He had a winning record in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But he, his, his problem in Philadelphia was how he was doing things was never going to work in Philadelphia. You can't run... You can't try to run 90 games, 90 plays a game in the NFL with a 46 man active day roster when you tried to do it when you had 70 guys suited up on the road and 100 at home. Mm-hmm. It's just you're going to wear your guys down. You're basically asking NFL players to basically play six more games mm-hmm. equivalent of plays in the season. So that was never going to work. And eventually he got run out of the league. 49ers, I don't blame him for that team was garbage when he got right. there. The the UCLA thing, he took over a bad a bad, bad situation, team. and it took right, and it took time. So he wasn't like the idea that he was supposed to have success right away because he was going to run effect. Like it was never going to happen that way. But what we're seeing is that he has evolved and he's changed. He knows he can't do it exactly the way he did it right. at Oregon, and he's still, regardless of the pace, he's still a very good X's and O's coach and strategist. And so that's why I, I was like, it doesn't matter if the the blur offense is not necessarily the thing anymore. He's still a really good coach and would do have done really well at Oregon. And Lanning can do really well. Mm-hmm. And Mario was doing well. So at the end of the day, they got a good coach. But if Chile if Chile Chile, if Chip can come back and win this game, that's just a that's just a huge 
uh, piece of drama that should be turned into a ma- it yeah. should be turned into a movie. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the, the, the Oregonian would like to uh, sell the film rights to, to that movie. Um, so when you look at this from the Ducks' point of view, you know this season with the Ducks has been, you know, I mean, you take the Georgia game out, right? And it's like there's there's really relatively few holes to to poke in this Ducks team. You know, we've seen, you know a great version of Bo Nix. You know, the running game has been tremendous. You know, the defense, it's still, you know, the, the secondary is obviously a little bit suspect. And, you know, we're trying to kind of figure out what what the defense really is. And which, by the way, I don't know what your expectations were coming into the year. I assumed it was going to be the other way around. You bring in, you know, the defensive genius of, of Dan Lanning, uh, advertised defensive genius of Dan Lanning. And then he yeah. brings in an SEC coordinator in Tosh Lupoy. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a defensive juggernaut. That's at least what it's designed to be. But the problem was they were 79th in the defense yep. last year and lost their two best defensive players. And the whole X's people get caught up in X's and O's and coaches is that still man, takes dudes. You gotta have you gotta have the dudes. And they, and they have a, they have good dudes. They don't have great dudes, and that's why they're not a great defense. Anyway, go ahead. So anyway, Continue. so I just feel like you know this Oregon team. You know, I think not that we should forget the Georgia game, but has passed every test since. And correct, I, I kind of. And maybe I'm just too slow to take UCLA seriously because UCLA has, well, maybe I'm just too slow. Let me leave it at that. But um, too slow to take uh, UCLA seriously because their last two wins have been really impressive. You know, I've, and you could go back and look. I think I picked against them in their last two wins. You know, I didn't, I thought Washington was going to go down and take care of business at the Rose Bowl on a Friday. Completely the opposite. Um, and then UCLA really kind of made, you know, Utah look silly in, in that game uh, the next week. So, you know, those are probably two of the best wins in the Pac-12 conference this year. Um, and that's why you see UCLA, you know, in the top 10. Um, but I'm also like, this team barely beat South Alabama, which I, you know, did not even know was a school. So <laughs> sleep on South Alabama, man. They're a juggernaut. I've slept on South Alabama for almost 40 years at this point because I didn't know it existed. I didn't even know there was a South Alabama. I didn't know Alabama was a big enough state to have to be referred to in, in North, South, East, and West. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I guess I sort of am still like, is UCLA really this good? And they have been, I mean, especially offensively, you know, DTR has been incredible. Um, so, I, I we talked about this a little bit last night. I think you do buy UCLA, right? I buy them more than I buy Oregon at this yeah, point. Better wins. Yeah, I, think I think they're pretty much, yeah, I think they're pretty much close. I think I'm not going to think that UCLA is going to blow them out, but they have way more impressive wins U- mm-hmm. utah and and washington what what what's oregon's signature win right now byu, BYU probably and like and like without their two best receivers and defense and what and else? washington d- defensive washington state's three and three yeah yeah i mean washington State's three and three and they should have they pretty much should have lost, lost. Game. they pulled it yeah. out give them credit so and then last two games are the two worst conference teams in the conference arizona and stanford yeah i'm supposed to be excited about that That's so fair. now none of, this, none of this means that had they played Washington, Utah, they wouldn't have beaten them. And that had UCLA played Stanford and Arizona instead, that we wouldn't be saying the same thing about them. So that doesn't mean that UCLA is better. It just means that UCLA has by far to me a better body of work going into this game. And knowing that they beat Utah and knowing that they beat Washington leads me to believe that they definitely can come into Austin and beat Oregon. And what a brutal schedule too, by the way. Like, I mean, people like want to dump on ship for scheduling Alabama state and, and South Alabama and, uh, <laughs> Bowling Green or whoever they played in the open. Was that his fault? Was that his fault? We don't know. Uh, but I mean, like, man, I mean, I, I don't blame him when you're looking down the, you know, when you're looking ahead to a conference schedule that has you play Washington, Oregon, and UCLA, or Washington, Washington, Utah, and Oregon in successive weeks. I mean, that's 
Yeah. That's brutal. Um, so, uh, you got to pick. <laughs> like, do you do you do you do you feel confident in in picking picking a winner here? On talking decks, we shot that Tuesday. I picked uh, UCLA thirty four thirty. I think their run game is going to be on point. Um, I think they're going to give ducks tr- the Ducks trouble. They have a, a highly efficient veteran quarterback who can kill you with his feet and his arm, um, who's cl- completing, what, 70-something percent of his passes. They're going up against what's been a, a mediocre middling defense, yeah. and they haven't really played that many good teams for me to believe that that's a good sign. Uh, and so I just, you know, if I had to pick a – team i'd pick ucla by just over a field goal it is interesting when you look at the teams that have given the ducks the most trouble it's been the teams with mobile efficient quarterbacks and that was you know obviously you know georgia and then washington state i mean not not that cam cam ward is terribly efficient but like certainly mobile and gave them trouble you know in in pursuit so i you know i tend to agree with you i i feel perhaps i'm swayed by the storyline of the ducks uh you know, snuffing out Chip's dreams of a triumphant return to um, <laughs> to Eugene. I feel like the Ducks will have success moving the ball against UCLA's defense. I think Bo Nix, you know, until proven otherwise, has shown that he is going to be, a, you know, really effective. So I I give a slight edge to the Ducks, but you know, you know, it's going to be a rainy game. You know, it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be a Kind of, a, it's gonna be the first wet environment of the season. I think that you know, I think that could ultimately be a factor too. I'll, I'll, I'll give the edge to the Ducks, but it's a slight one, and I wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be surprised either if it goes the other way. But I'm gonna go ahead and go with the Bruins and Chipster right now. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it, it just, it is. You know, I don't know if we could have necessarily foreseen that the ducks would be in this position in week, you know, in their, in their week, you know, in week seven after the Georgia game. I mean, the Georgia game, I, you and I both knew that there really? was, there was going to be, I didn't you, see, did I didn't see a loss on their schedule. You thought they were going to be five and one at this point. I don't know, man, that I was really concerned about the defense. Uh, the the, the BYU game. game was a little I was concerned, iffy. I thought they would lose to BYU. Yeah. yeah I but mean, then, I picked but them then, in that game, but then but, BYU had, you know, major depth issues, um, right. and then as, as, and it's, it's, and it's not, and it's not a, like athletically, they're just so much better. I figured that, and they're going to be at home. Like yeah. it's just, yeah, that's yeah, true. The, the Georgia game, the Georgia, the only thing that Georgia game told me was that this, this team, this program, despite all that recruiting that they allegedly did. And some of that stuff's completely overblown. Yeah. Not all four-star recruits are created, created the same, but how far they were from actually becoming national. It contenders. told you that's, where that's, it told you how far they were from. The CFP competition, but didn't necessarily tell right. you anything about where they were going to slot in in the Pac-12 because it's the entire Pac-12 is would have gotten is, crashed. Yeah, by then, is yeah. is that far from CFP competition? Especially exactly. as we see, you exactly. know, USC, you know, losing to Utah, Utah, Utah losing to UCLA. I mean, this could this could be one of those years where everybody just loses to everybody at least once. So right. we right. will see. Aaron, I really appreciate you. Uh, any parting thoughts on the Ducks or Blazers before I let you get back to back back to your day job? No, for, forget that, man. We got we got to discuss what we bonded over. You it's know, this true. is our first trip together, and you know we had a good time. We hung out, mm-hmm. and then the last day, we discovered that we have something in common that's extremely important and very and rare among sports writers and, and embarrassing. <laughs> 
We are Marriott Point. I can't say what I was going to say. That's probably inappropriate. Enthusiasts. Uh, enthusiasts. There you go. <laughs> we love us some Marriott points. We did spend some. So- <laughs> we did spend some time at the Sacramento airport scheming over the best ways to accumulate more uh, Marriott Bonvoy points. Um, and how we refuse to let our wives waste them on frivolous <laughs> vacations. Honey, if you're listening to this, I did not say that. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. The, the, was, that, was that a secret? Well, my first bad. of all, I mean, I'm pretty certain that my wife is not listening to this. I don't know about yours, <laughs> but um, no, honey, you can you can you can use the points for anything you need. Um, but yeah, it, it no, I mean, it is it's funny because that is the thing that you know. There are a handful of conversations that sports writers always kind of come back to. You know, in the NBA, it's always, and we talked about this with Brooke Olsen Dam last or a couple weeks ago, you know, what is your favorite NBA city? What's your least favorite NBA city? And, and then, you know, comes back to like hotel points, like, Oh, you're not, a, right. you're not a Marriott person. You, Hilton, Hilton honors. What, what is Hilton honors? You know, yeah. I remember like there used to be a guy on the Lakers beat who was a Starwood uh, guy. And so that was like Sheraton. And I was like, Starwood, that's ridiculous. What? And then Marriott merged with Starwood and suddenly like all of a sudden, like it was, you know, all of a sudden, like, you know, we had to be, we had to, we were on the same side of the points thing. Um, but yeah, it is a, it is a, uh, it is a big topic of conversation among sports writers and, and, and traveling media all the time. And I hope I gave you some, some, some worthwhile tips to you help did. you those numbers. You did. You, you are the master. Uh, I've been off the point train for a while because I wasn't traveling for, for, a lot for a few years, but now I'm back on. I'm gold. I'm working on platinum. I think it's in, it's in, it's in the, it's in the Twitter bio. Yeah, you see, platinum 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 dreams, (laughs) platinum dreams, baby. I'm already plotting out my my trip. I'm kicking myself because I went to Sacramento day of. I could have just gone Thursday, but no, I was going to spend the next evening with my family and cost myself some Marriott points. So I got see that's that's what you have to do is get that out of your mind. Forget the extra night with your family and get the points, right? Yeah, definitely hoping our wives aren't (laughs) listening at this point. But I mean, listen, I mean, you can't you can't fly in day of and expect to cover a shoot around because I mean, what if you're delayed and shoot around? I made it, and it, but but you oh, but, but you could have potentially not made it. That's, That's why you true. have to go in the night before. That is that is just the the industry standard and the standard of making sure you accumulate maximum Marriott points. So. <laughs> all right, Aaron. Before we give away all of our secrets, we better get out of here. Uh, but thank you very much for taking the time, especially on a travel day. And you're going to jump back into it with the Blazers game on Friday against the Suns, and then they continue on, like you like you said, with that brutal schedule. So we're, we'll see where it leads, but an encouraging start for them. And, and we'll also see about the Ducks on Saturday and uh, the big, the big uh, return of Chip. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. And thank you to everyone for listening to Sports by Northwest. Continue to uh, rate, review, and tell your friends. And you can continue to get the podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. 